Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman from Jacksonville, joined by Mae Finch, also of Jacksonville. And of course, we have Mr. Will Rotondi from Greenville, South Carolina. I don't know why I threw the cities in there all of a sudden, like after not doing it for like a year, but whatever. It's like the residual memory, yeah, of like yeah. like muscle memory from doing it so long before. Yeah, it's kicking back in, man. But yeah, <laughs> hey, what's going on? <laughs> Not too much on uh, today's episode. We are doing our penultimate holiday special for 2023, talking about Violent Night. We'll be drawing another side quest and winterizing it, so to speak talking about it with a holiday uh, bend but first here's a little update on godzilla fest 2023 specifically i'm going to give a quick little like review of godzilla minus one and if you guys want to ask a couple of questions or like weigh in anything you're curious on i'll be happy to answer them i will try to keep this mostly spoiler free because i feel like this is a it's a film you should just like sit back and enjoy um but yeah i've seen it finally in IMAX and it was amazing maybe my favorite Godzilla film ever it's certainly the only film that I think in that whole series of what did we say 28 Japanese films that is potentially better would be the original but um I don't know I'd have to watch this one again and make a final verdict but it was that fabulous very serious in tone um really really emotional like moments and just a lot of heart and poignancy that i even knew like going into the film that there was going to be there and i was still surprised by how well executed it was and i think like the best thing i could say about it is you could remove godzilla from the film and it would still be an amazing story like just the the core of the story is actually really really touching and heartfelt um my wife who has just rolled her eyes at every single Godzilla film that I've been watching. Like as she's walked into the room, like turned to me when it was over, she was like, that was amazing. Like I loved it. Like didn't like it. Didn't think it was just good. Like it, this is not me. Like at the end of a Marvel movie being like, yeah, it was good. She's like, I love that movie. Holy shit. Um, so there you go. There's a little review for Mariana as well. Uh, I do think like if you can catch it on the big screen, it's worth your time. Like there's enough sort of like, sequences that justify the price ticket of going to like the movies and having like the the bigger screen and the sound but i think you'd find it just enjoyable just as enjoyable at home as well um i think the probably my last the last thing i'll add before i'll open it up if you guys have questions about it is um the budget was advertised to me as 15 million and the director was like oh i wish that our budget was that much and when you see this movie it looks like it is far more expensive than that. So um, I don't know if it's like we overpay actors in America. I'm sure that's part of it. But like the VFX were not at all um, like, oh, this isn't, an, you know, oh, good for uh, a studio outside of the U.S. Like they were eye poppingly good. So um, well done to whoever um, managed to <laughs> wrangle the budget out of whatever it was. But I guess it's made its money back um already in the states 
just with like it's uh, it's run, I should say, like in the States and it certainly seems to be on track to do very world, uh, well worldwide, which is like makes me happy Like because I think I enjoy my American Godzilla interpretations. They've been fun, but like it was cool to see like a serious like Godzilla film where like he's like a symbol of some like social issues and have all that be like really, really good again. So now I'll be quiet. So uh, would you guys like to know anything spoiler free about the film? Any any uh, thing that you're wondering about? I have a question and a comment. Yes. Uh, my comment is just that I I love that you found a way to like get in a Marvel dig in there. Like listeners, mm-hmm. go back in case you missed it, but you did get a Marvel dig in there. It was it was, it, it was vicariously like <laughs> through my way. Like she was getting and digging vicariously through me on the podcast. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, and my question is, uh, why is it called Godzilla minus one? Or is that a spoiler? Mm. Is it like a prequel? Um, no, so it's not a spoiler. Like um, in the marketing, like uh, they discuss in both the trailers and then like as a concept with interviews. So it takes place if you like period pieces, like you're in for a treat because it it's, takes place um, during and then like after World War Two in Japan. And the minus one refers to the fact that um, Japan is completely ravaged by like world war ii and just in the process of rebuilding and then this thing comes along and sets them back to like even like a negative state they're like we got reduced to zero and then now we're at a negative state because we like in the middle of like trying to to rebuild our country this thing shows up um so yeah that's that's where the minus one comes from okay it's a lot more serious than just fun prequel numbering there's very few things there's a lot of exciting things about this movie and it is unabashedly like the director loves jaws you can tell he loves jaws lots of references to jaws and sort of like the way that the plot unfolds is very jaws like um but uh so there's heart pounding sequences but i wouldn't call the movie like fun necessarily like in the way that like again the american films no dig at them because i really enjoyed them like are kind of like fun where it's like oh like it's monsters fighting each other and like there's no consequences like and you know like it's just all like collateral like that is not like with this movie like it feels properly like terrifying (laughs) like like you know what you're seeing on screen is is like disturbing because it like it feels like what it would really be like for a monster attack and how people would be affected and stuff um that being said, really good references to like the original, like everything from like the the music to like just like little like subtle Easter eggs. So like as a person who's now watched through like most of the old ones, like I was just giddy as a schoolboy, like just pointing out things and just really appreciating the reverence and love that went into it without feeling making you feel like you were missing out if you're an audience member like who hadn't watched through 28 of the prior like films. You know what I mean? But no prequel it's a original story kind of like a just a reboot to, to answer that question very good i urge you both to see it catch it on a matinee like whatever um, i saw <laughs> that it was they had like 40x showings of that and i'm like what does godzilla smell like like because I, I guess they do like scents and stuff and your chairs move with 40x so i'm like <laughs> i'm curious to see what that's what that's all about but um have you either of you been to a 40x movie i never have kind of a newfangled thing and i'm like i'm kind of scared that i'd be annoyed by it but i feel like it would just be a waste of money for me because i have a terrible sense of smell (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
that could be a good thing if like you know sometimes like fake smells like are more chemically than anything else like where like you can tell what they're going for but it's like like a bad air freshener where you're like eh. so mm-hmm. maybe maybe that'd be a good thing not having a good sense of smell i don't know Phil, it feels like being someone who gets nauseous from 3D glasses and intentionally going to a 3D movie. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, maybe. And like the seats moving, like I, I feel like that might like startle me or like annoy me. I don't know, like <laughs> depending on what the range of motion is, you know. Um, I have been to a D box film, which is like where the speakers are in the chair and like they'll kind of like vibrate and shake a little bit more. And that was fine. Like that was fun. Like I, I didn't know that we were in a D box film when we were there. So I was very confused for like the first 20 minutes of Deadpool 2, which is the movie we saw. But then I realized like, oh, this is like some gimmick with the gotcha. But anyway, if you guys see it, let me know. I uh, If you want to go with a pal, May, I'm your guy. I would absolutely <laughs> go see it again. I would go see it again. Twice more, honestly. Like that's how much I enjoyed it. So very good. That is your update for Godzilla Fest. All right, let's see what our uh, our side quest that we're going to winterize, as I keep saying, like, is going to be. It is music to my ears, which is one of our newer side quests. The prompt is talk about a piece of music, popular or original, used to great effect in a film. It's the same rules as last week. We can all go. And I'm sure this is going to be really hard because there's never been any good christmas music ever <laughs> use it in a film so i'm being sarcastic of course this should be probably hopefully be a fairly easy one for all of us and it doesn't have to be an original composition it could literally be a pop you know piece of music like that's used in a christmas film but i have to go with home alone i have to go with john williams score at home alone i always recognize that tune and i know what movie it is that's getting referenced oh yeah yeah, you're talking about sort of the whimsical, like the da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I won't. I, there was another thing that came to mind too, but I'm not going to double dip because I don't want to take away any other options. <laughs> but yeah, Hope Alone for sure. And just thinking about some of the antics that go on in those movies, which will actually tie in well to the film we're going to talk about today. But that's pretty much where I'll leave it. So, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, there's a reference or two, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> May, do you have one? Yeah, I was looking it up because I, I guess that it's just called the Polar Express. But the really famous song from Polar Express that talks about the Polar Express. Mm-hmm. I, re- I heard that song a bunch before I ever saw the movie ah. Polar Express. And it was such a jarring experience for me because I loved the song and then I saw the movie and I really just hate that animation style. It's just <laughs> so slightly uncanny. And I was like mildly disturbed the whole movie. <laughs> You're not alone. It, it, it definitely is a little bit like, yeah, unsettling. And there's that really annoying kid too, the little know-it-all, like, Oh God. Mm-hmm. I kept hoping that he was gonna get like Indiana Jones out there, like no ticket. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, I didn't like the movie, but it did not completely ruin the song for me. So I don't know, maybe this is an example of one that didn't work well with its music, but the music is good. The music is great. 
Maybe. I believe the prompt just says memorable. So like, yeah, it, oh, I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or used to great effect, but yes. Yeah. Uh, there was yeah. a great effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatizing. Yeah. It was my turn to talk about childhood trauma. <laughs> Polar Express and ET. Got it. Cool. Man, how about yeah. you, Chris? What you got? Mm, for me i probably have to go like it's it's the sappiest stupidest thing like but i feel like it just it works so well again context but mariah carries all i want for christmas in the pageant <laughs> scene of love actually for the little boy like you're like oh is he gonna is he gonna pull it off like he's been practicing like how's this gonna go and he's playing and like you have all the characters together and you finally get to see his little like girl crush, you know, and like um, I just I've always like that sequence because it's it's a feel good moment um, in a film that is has its ups and downs. Like I always forget there's some really sad bits to that movie, too, like for a Christmas film. But hey, that's 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 real life. Right. But um, but yeah, I like that one a lot. And I've never been particularly fond of that song. Like, I think it's fine. Like, I'm not a hater or anything, but um. I think that's a good example of how you can use a popular song and tie it into like, it's, I guess we consider diegetic music, right? Cause she's supposed to be singing. And for our audience, I think we may have covered this one time, but the difference between diegetic and non-diegetic music and film is diegetic is like something that the characters in the film can hear and we can hear as the audience, whereas non-diegetic would be like, um, I don't know, something that's like part of the score or soundtrack that the, the characters are not experiencing with us. So. That's my pick. You guys love actually fans. The Brits hate that movie. Apparently (laughs) they like, they think it's like the worst portrayal of Brits and also just like, don't understand the American love of it. I've always liked it, but how do you guys feel about love? Actually? I have a tiny Grinch heart. Oh, shout out to the Grinch as well for soundtracks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tiny Grinch. And Charlie Brown while we're at it. (laughs) Well, now you got to expound. I want to know, like, what is it? Uh, too cheesy uh it's just like the cheesiness and like the like melodrama and i don't know it just it was not like a co the cozy watch i was expecting from how no. it's yeah. up. there's some like i mean again like the whole like alan rickman subplot is really yeah. sad um but but I, I, the more i've watched that movie over the years because it's pretty much almost always like every year kind of thing for us I've come to appreciate that like everyone's holiday experience is different. Sometimes some years like you have good, nice like holidays and sometimes they suck for a reason or another. So I've chosen to like appreciate it and like hope that like that maybe they're trying to cover the whole human spectrum there. And like, you know, everyone's going through something different, right? Some are hopeful and um, like nice. Um, And even though like that film is filled with like cliches, like, I enjoy the the comedic bits are my favorite, like the rock and roll star that's having his like the Bill Nye like yeah. stuff where he's like stripping on TV because he beat out the little like boy band and stuff like but I, I get it. Like, trust me, I do. I know like not everyone's fond of it. So you uh, you're dismissed from like Grinch status on this one. I think like that's just okay. a taste thing. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we won't we won't. uh hammer that point home i think like you're in pretty good company there it's not like you know if you were like 
to say hey a little preview for like later like oh i think like uh gizmo the mogwai is like a stupid piece of shit i want to kick him like well then grid status is going to be like reinstated but (laughs) 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 anyway (laughs) thank you both for sharing uh this was a perfect category for for to to winterize um so thanks for sharing your favorite uh or most memorable um christmas music from a film now it's time to turn it over to Mr. Rotondi to guide us through a discussion of our main quest, which is Violent Night, Will's selection for 2023. So, Will, take it away. Sweet. So, Violent Night came out back in, like, 2022, which doesn't... I mean, geez, it was, like, about just around a year ago, maybe, that it happened. I can't remember. Time is still, like, distorted in my brain. But... Came out in 2022, stars David Harbour, as well as John Leguizamo, Beverly D'Angelo, Alex Alex Hassel, and Alexis Lauder. And was, um, you know, honestly, I don't remember how people felt when this movie came out. I just remember seeing it and thinking that it would be like Die Hard meets Santa Claus or John Wick meets Santa Claus. And so that was like what really got me excited to just give it a shot and um then subject you all to it a year later so (laughs) basically in a nutshell um not a very extensive plot to go over because i think we'll probably talk about most of the plot points as we go through the film so i'm just gonna really short and sweet say that this is about a drunk disgruntled santa claus (laughs) who has lost his faith in humanity and thinks that maybe it's time to just hang it all up and not worry about delivering presents anymore but while he's out on his delivery route he ends up thwarting the plans of a bunch of mercenaries who have attempted to rob this wealthy family out of their estate um and then in following in the steps of die hard and other um (laughs) violent films of that nature santa ends up getting involved kicks a bunch of ass gets his mojo back and ends up saving a young girl named Trudy, uh, played by, and I apologize if I mispronounce her name, but I want to say it's Leah Brady. And uh, also ends up saving her parents too. And they all have, I guess, a happy Christmas at the end of it, sort of, after going through like a lot of uh, trauma and dismemberment and other bloody uh, things along the way. So with that in mind <laughs> um how did you all feel about watching violent nights and may i'll turn it over to you first this is another one where i'm not sure exactly how to feel about it there I had strong <laughs> moments i had moments that had me scratching my head and i watched this yesterday and, and i still haven't figured out some things um i do think that like attempts at like I think my my, my biggest head scratcher is just like the attempt at addressing like class and, po- and class politics is very ham-fisted and weird uh I think that's the main source of kind of confusion I have with the film um aside from that it feels very I, I would say it's more Deadpool than Die Hard um at least in like the way a lot of the like action happens, a lot of the choreography. Uh, I do think the uh, origin story they come up with for Santa is interesting. Um, 
I uh, appreciate the kind of hand wavy approach to world building because I think it's an action movie that at least like knows that it's not really trying to establish a whole like magic system for Santa and like really go too much into the backstory. It's mostly just about Santa beating up people. And um, I felt like the hand wavy this kind of worked to its favor in that regard. And yeah, I think the heart of the movie was 100% the dynamic between Trudy and Santa. And um, I do want to give a small shout out. I should have pulled up IMDb the one time I don't. But um, the actress that plays the sister um, of in the rich family is also in Righteous Gemstones. And she's hilarious. I loved her. Hmm? Uh, <laughs> How was that? Edie Patterson? Edie Patterson. There you go. Thank you. So yeah, uh, overall, um, definitely a different kind of Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> it, I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was exactly as advertised. I I did really appreciate the the Santa lore aspects. Like, I thought the opening sequence was brilliant. Like, it is like really really emotional, and you're like, oh man, like. It sucks, dude. Like you, you can kind of feel where he's coming from, right? And then he just barfs out the top of the, the sled. <laughs> and I feel like that perfectly sets the tone of what this movie is gonna be. Like there's gonna be some heart and some poignancy, but like first and foremost, it is like a comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it mostly worked for me. Like I agree with May. I think the amount of times that he's like, I don't really know how it works, like perfect. That's just that's what you should stick to, like with something like this. If if they like went like ten minutes deep into him like meeting some mythical creature that like gifted them the powers back in Norway or something like that, like I genuinely didn't even need to know that he was a Viking. Like maybe they wanted to just explain like why he's able to like whoop ass. Like I was fine if it just like turns out Santa's good at fighting. Like I would have accepted that. But like sure, okay, he's a Viking. Um, I think David Harbour's amazing and the, the role does a really good job with it and i agree also with may that i think the chemistry um was perfect between um you know him and um what's her name the little girl trudy trudy um yes perfect 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 my favorite bits of the movie as well um i i think all the the uh sort of way that the film unfolds also agree it was a bit uneven and that when they try to get serious about something other than the spirit of christmas it didn't really work for me and so i had to just like stop trying to take the film like i I was trying to take it too serious at points like i got really invested in the security guard and then like he dies and i was like well that sucks and i was like oh well it's a it's an action movie like he's like the guards and die hard right like he's there just to like (laughs) be a body as part of the body count okay um and did it with the bad guys and stuff you know like i loved how like comic book they were and just like each person was just fodder for the grinder and when more showed up i was like oh yeah oh yeah all right here we go like now we can really have a high body count with like just like a big slaughter that i know is coming at some point because all these guys just showed up (laughs) um the last thing I'll say, I just, I really like, I think it's a good example of like Easter eggs done well, like, or like references to like a film done well, where it feels like it's got its own identity, but also is not ashamed to like show reverence for the Christmas action movies that came before, whether it is Home Alone or, or Die Hard. But uh, 
yeah, solid overall. I mean, I had a good time. Like it, it's, it's as advertised, and it did everything that I would want it to to do. I think. Well, speaking about references to other films, I mean, obviously the Home Alone one's the big one since they like they're talking about it, and then the traps that you see later, and even like the little throwaway line about Die Hard when he's pulling gifts out of his sack, and he's got like what was it Play Hard, uh, Die Hard on Blu-ray? I think he said when he like tosses it. So, were there any other? <clears throat> I guess any other little references, Easter eggs that caught your eye that you thought about when you were watching the film about other either action movies or about action Christmas films? I mean, the whole film, there's definitely like it's the, you know, Die Hard like <laughs> is, I think, like the biggest influence with the heist theme. And like they make the reference of like drilling into the vaults and all that kind of stuff. Um, I I did also like I think just having Beverly D'Angelo in the film like it's just like one big nod almost to Christmas Vacation Um, you know like it's a good casting because I think people automatically are going to kind of associate her with the Griswold family but I appreciated that they didn't have her playing the same character like I love the even though she's deplorable like the foul mouth like matriarch you know Um, it was nice um, just to see that departure because I thought she was pretty funny Um. I don't know if there's anything else. I'm sure there were some lethal weapon references in there, but I'll, I'll be damned if I can remember. Um, this isn't an action movie reference, and I'm trying to think like where else have I seen this archetype because it's a relatively new archetype. But the big example I can think of is Knives Out, but like the kind of like shithead alt right teen streamer boy like <laughs> archetype. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hashtag bless. Yeah. <laughs> Bertrude. <laughs> Bertrude, really great name. Yeah. Solid. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm struggling on the other action references. I'm sure there's more nitty gritty specific stuff, but um. Yeah, as Chris said, I I just think it's overall like a huge homage to Die Hard that has smaller in-universe references to things like home alone for sure a lot more realistic and violent interpretations of what home alone really would have been like i think we even talked about it too like if the the traps that kevin had set up in those films were actually real like marv and harry would have been murdered about four or five times over or at least like physically disabled and so watching this i feel like that was probably the stuff that got to me the most like even it, kind of going into it expecting cartoonish hyperviolence, like when and I'm now I'm blanking on like their code names, which was another thing I loved about the movie. But like, uh, please hold. Yeah, there was like Krampus and like <laughs> I don't remember gingerbread. Like, gingerbread <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When gingerbread gets the the nail through his his jaw, oh, that's and it. then he falls and he gets his ass full of nails. And oh my gosh, dude, that part just. Ugh. Yeah. So speaking of, in terms of the hyperviolence, did you and this could go either direction, either like your favorite, <laughs> your favorite murder, or perhaps the murder <laughs> that made you cringe the most that Santa inflicted or that Trudy did inflicted on somebody. And uh, Chris, I'll toss it over to you first. My favorite is easily the Mortal Kombat-esque fatality for Scrooge at the end. Like, sorry to jump ahead. <laughs> But like, I just loved like it is so Mortal Kombat. Santa just drags him up the chimney and Santa can make it up and out the chimney, but he can't because he's human <laughs> or whatever. Not magical. And just like it was so fucking 
over the top like something you would see uh i don't know mortal kombat the boys like whatever like uh i was like why not yeah this is amazing like what a creative way to take out a bad guy so easy my favorite Solid. how about you man um i'm gonna pick the one murder that well i think almost the one that uh santa and trudy weren't responsible for and it was killing krampus because yeah uh linda alva and um the kid all 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 ganging up on grampus and like using it as a body (laughs) (laughs) after bickering about who should be killed um and it was like i don't know just like the weirdest example of family coming together (laughs) but very on theme you know Thinking about it too, as like weird as Krampus was, he was also like one of the more entertaining, I feel like, in terms of just being bizarre. Like he was the one who'd be like, Yeah, okay, I'll touch this dude's junk to put it in this nutcracker or, you know, whatever the the dumb stuff was that came off the top of their heads to do. Did you happen to have a favorite code name or a favorite um mercenary character? Um at any point? Or was it mostly just like, ah, they're just cartoons and disposable and they're all kind of about the same um i liked i think it was was she candy cane the blonde with short hair that was like going after trudy yeah it is candy cane okay i liked her just because she's she's the one that's like when the new bad guys arrive and they're all kind of catching each other up they're like She's like, oh, and he might be actual Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> like actual oh, Santa yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other guy's like, the fuck did she just say? <laughs> Everybody is just like, like, are you serious right now? Like, listen to yourselves. <laughs> uh, I think it was the best part was when they didn't. Like they, some of them started to feel like maybe this was true in spite of all the weird stuff they saw in front of them. And they're like, but no, no, this can't be right. Like, no, I'm not going to believe that. I don't know. But I guess for us, like as the audience too, and Chris, you mentioned, you made a, you know, the point about how you were glad that we didn't really get too much of an explanation as to how Santa has all these superpowers and that he doesn't even know, you know, really. Um, But how it was kind of interesting, but not in your opinion, you were like, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool to see what he was like his, you know, his warrior heritage, you know, is sort of like a little flashback to kind of get some history there, but not too much because you didn't really feel like it was, you know, all that necessary. And the film probably could have dropped it, you know, and had the same effect. Uh, but I think that I don't know, it was it was interesting to see like that was where they wanted to take it. And also I don't know. For me, I was surprised by how much of like a buildup there was to him sort of wanting to just go on his like kick ass rampage. Because I mean, from watching the trailers, I thought, okay, this is going to be like, you know, the entire movie, he's just going to be going at it. And so then watching the film to start with, and you're like, okay, so he's disgruntled, he's unhappy, he doesn't think this is this job's panning out. But there's no like violence or anything involved. It's just drunk Santa, you know, or bad Santa. And (laughs) then you know, he gets his butt kicked pretty good a couple of two or three times before he's finally like, all right, I got my hammer and now we're going to go for it. So 
I think in some respects, did you find it interesting that there was sort of like a little bit of a delay leading up to when he finally kind of gets his groove back? Or was that just sort of like you knew it was coming? So you kind of you went along with it anyway. You're like, it's I I have patience. I know it's going to happen at some point. I think they telegraphed it pretty well. Like you kind of the opening of the film and then having Trudy like in that discussion with like the radio and stuff like. I felt like I, I was like, all right, she's going to be the thread that brings him back. Right. Cause she's like a child and she believes and like the thing that she wants is not like a gift or materialistic. And like, I was like, all right, it's going to be again, following kind of that format of Die Hard, right. Where he has a confrontation, it goes poorly. He's on the radio with her. That's very John McClane talking to Al Powell, right. Like a little bit. And then, he goes into like third act like ass kicking mode right like all right it's time to time to get moving so yeah I, it's predictable but it's fine like I don't, I don't think that's a strike against it necessarily i agree it was a bit predictable but i liked that like part of his in-universe like getting his mojo back was just finding a sledgehammer <laughs> yeah he just needed the right tool you know like ah yes now we're talking <laughs> and also i liked uh I wish, I wish like we'd gotten to see Mrs. Claus even for a scene. I guess they didn't want to like hire an actress for that, but um I fast forwarded it, I all like... through the credits hoping for a post credit like who is it gonna be? And I, yeah. So yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. But like I, I wanna know what kind of a woman like sends both a new bag and skull crusher, just just in case. She's not sure what Santa needs, but like it's neither or. <laughs> Kind of who would thing. you cast if you had if you had like budget wasn't an issue oh goodness um that's that's hard you tell me your answer first because I'm, I'm thinking of someone but blanking on their name you know who'd be amazing would be pam greer like i'd do pam greer she'd be fucking Aww. amazing as like as a mrs claus solid very nice you know, she was an action uh, heroine in her own right, like in the 70s, especially, and had some like resurgence with Jackie Brown and like uh, was in Escape from L.A. and stuff. So that's, that'd be my pick. That'd be awesome. Well, yeah, um, I was mentally thinking of Jessica Chastain just because she seems like a very pragmatic woman in a lot of her roles. Oh, sure. I can see it. <laughs> yeah. Good. To, definitely. Nice. But she's got that nice red hair, red, you know, red, red for Christmas. <laughs> hey, there, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I think Mrs. Claus understood the assignment kind of like uh, Dude Man did in the thing, where it's like, I just need a flamethrower. I need it right now. <laughs> he needs that yeah. hammer. Something's going on. He needs it. I don't know, man. I might, uh, I will, uh, I will accept, I will see your Jessica Chastain and I will raise you a Kate Blanchett. Just because I love Kate Blanchett. It's <laughs> a good one. It's a solid choice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a compliment, but she is kind of like elfish looking, which is why she was perfect for like Lord of the Rings. Like she has very delicate mm -hmm. features. So that'd be cool. I'm trying to see if there's anything else I really had on the docket to ask you guys about, but that might actually have it covered. I do. I will say, and I don't know if this will be relevant to any sort of discussion, but I think that there were a couple of moments in the movie that sort of made me want to throw my popcorn, um, which I know, like, <laughs> for a film like this to be, like, nitpicky is 
kind of a silly thing so i don't really hold it too much against it because it's just you know when in doubt just the excuse is magic or we don't know the answer but i found it i don't know if if radios have developed well enough for that style to be able to talk back and forth over the top of each other like you're on a phone i know some have some allow for that but i don't know if it's it's sort of like that little plot device where characters interrupt each other or finish each other's sentences and hear each other on two-way radios and it's like yeah, don't, it's not really how that works <laughs> but it's okay um but between that and also like santa running like leaving a fully operational snowmobile to chase down other people on snowmobiles taking <laughs> using a makeshift sled i know clearly for the, the fact that it was him to do that like a sleigh or you know but i just thought there's no way that dude's gonna catch up to them i know he's fast that he's like this ancient warrior but there's there's just no way and then he ends up on another snowmobile anyway to chase the last couple guys down so i just thought you know the weird stuff they want to throw in there just for the sake of the plot seem kind of kind of funny and gimmicky but were there any other moments where you guys thought like okay what the what's going on you know <laughs> That made you just sort of step back and and think, oh, that's dumb or, uh, really, you know. Unfortunately for me, it was like the end of the movie, and it's it's not that guy, it's not Scrooge getting dismembered on his way up the chimney. Funny enough, I was like, that checks out in universe. <laughs> <laughs> but it was them all just having to say, oh, I believe in Santa, when huddled around his corpse for him to back to life and i was like okay that i could see from several miles away and um no i don't i don't like this like weird attempt at like um wholesomeness and very stereotypical wholesomeness after such a like violent and irreverent movie um so yeah that that i was mad about you think it would have been better if you just like just regenerated just without an explanation like he's just back like it's just santa magic and he's like immortal yeah like yeah. i i wish he'd kind of like he'd woken up at that moment and then made some comment like oh i was just napping it's <laughs> <laughs> walking off yeah i think there's plenty but like i said early on i just i like turned off the part of my brain where i was like i'm gonna really be mad or nitpick like anything about this like movie and i had way more fun um i think it's just because I, I was a little bit lulled into how serious like the movie like seems to start off where like when stuff started going down i was like what uh, and then i was like ah, of course this is just an action movie like whatever and it just made it so much more fun so hmm. um yeah uh I, if I had to pick something from a character standpoint, I feel like the dad goes from being like somebody that I like was pretty warm towards to being like, well, I don't like you now. You're just like everybody. Else. And they don't really do anything to recover that really like at all. Um, Like he doesn't really earn himself back in anyone's good graces. And the film kind of just shrugs and goes like, yeah, what do you expect? Like, they're rich. Like, they're all bad people. Like, we couldn't do anything different than that. And it's like, okay, I guess. Like, that's fine. But um, it's, it's an action movie. So it's like, whatever. I'm fine with it, I suppose. Did you think that the dad might be in on it a little bit before 
you kind of figured out what the angle was from everybody there? No, not really. Like um, once he handed her the gift and then was like, don't read the letter. Then I was like, when they discovered the money was missing, then I knew Um, I was 100% confident that that's what happened to the money. That's when I caught on to. I I don't remember if this was in this film or another one, but like in case I've not talked about it before on the podcast, one of my least favorite action tropes is somebody has a gun. The other person doesn't have a gun. And to punctuate that they have a gun, they like get closer to the person and threaten them so that they're like within arm's reach. I hate that trope where I'm like, I know you have to somehow realistically disarm this person, but it's the stupidest thing. Like that's not how guns work. Like you, the closer you get, the less of an advantage you have with a gun. Like, so it's very much an action movie thing. And I think there might've been a moment in this and I was like, ah, oh, here we go. We're just, we're going to like get closer. Like don't move. Like, but let me take five steps towards you. Like with my assault rifle. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but it's a pet peeve of mine. I agree. Or like they given us like an unnecessary amount of pause between their threat and actually wanting to follow through with it to give somebody else the advantage to intervene that has somehow miraculously materialized to their left or right or wherever that they didn't hear that is somehow just like right there and just like gets them first. Yeah. That's Christmas magic right there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah in snow no less like you know trudging through the snow and somehow like didn't hear that they came up snuck up beside you <laughs> yeah um, that's military training yeah good job guys <laughs> yeah beverly d'angelo is as quiet as a mouse apparently <laughs> oh it's okay i was like like i said the, the more you think about it the, the dumber like all that is but like if you can just enjoy <laughs> it for like for what it is it's fine yeah God, impaled by like a Christmas star and or not. In, well, yeah, stuck in your eye. Yeah. Or getting electrocuted. Electrocuted. electrocuted yeah. yeah. Getting sucked into a wood chipper. Oof. The wood chipper thing yeah. was funny, though. <laughs> it was very Indiana Jones where you're like, he's going uh-huh. in there. As soon as you see, he cranks it up, you're like, well, at least one person's getting in there. Like, <laughs> Like, oh, more than one. (laughs) Here's the inevitable sequel question. Does this movie need a sequel? Do you think they'll make a sequel? Yes. Yeah. They 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 will make one. Um, and hopefully it will have Mrs. Claus in it. (laughs) Yeah. That is the one thing we need a sequel for. I agree. I would actually, I would kind of love it if they just did like a complete tone switch. They just like were like, "Hey, let's do a different kind of like genre homage compilation," but made it like Love Actually style. So it's like their <laughs> romance, how Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus got together. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep, I could, could could see that. Um, I, yeah, I do like that. Like the idea of them doing like a different genre. Uh, if it's going to be called Violent Night 2, though, like you'd have to do something where there is like some, I would imagine, like elements of that. They're Vikings. Lo- so his great act of love is going and conquering a nearby nation. <laughs> there you go. I love like Violent a, Night minus one. A, uh, what do you call it? Uh, an homage to Black Christmas, which I've not seen, but I like people love. It's a horror slasher film that was directed by the same guy who made a Christmas story. 
And apparently it's brilliant. Like the, the love that people have. And like as a genuinely good Christmas film, supposedly, um, I'm so curious that I think I might try to watch it this year. But like, I li- I'd like to see like Santa being the killer. So like turning that on its head where it's like, he's kind of doing the same thing as this film, but like you like you're kind of rooting for the slasher kind of thing like not just with innocent kids and family people obviously but like like with you know some sort of hostage situation or something would be kind of fun i think the military tries to intercept him as like a ufo and they're like (laughs) 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 we've caught him (laughs) yeah and then he just starts murdering everybody (laughs) yeah i I am curious what they will, will do and i'm uh, I'm with May. I think like if, if Mrs. Claus is in and it's somebody good, then like okay, you'll have my curiosity at least. Well, that's all I've got for questions. Unless you guys have any last thoughts or well, questions of your own, anything else we didn't cover or that you wanted to make sure that we threw a shout out to. David nope. Harbor is a surprisingly convincing Santa, just like. I like a lot of people look very fake and like the the white hair and beard, but I, I maybe it's just like his costuming and makeup person, but like it looks very natural on him. He does a good Santa yeah. laugh too, yeah. in a way that was yeah. really hokey. Like when he's like, oh, oh, oh. I was like, ah man, nice. I like that. Agreed. And just as an addendum, I did look at the Wikipedia page, and apparently yes there's a potential sequel and they are eyeing charlie's Theron as mrs claus which okay that's cool i could buy that i was thinking i was almost gonna say her actually before yeah nice so why not i say curiosa man (laughs) that'll be a uh, discussion for another time but i'm very excited um hoping that trailer is indicative of the final product George Miller hasn't let me down yet. So anyway. Nice. Oh, dude. Uh Santa Claus, like what would be like a Fury Road like um <laughs> pun that you could do, like Cheery Road or something like that. Like <laughs> Violent Night Cheery Road. <laughs> Does Mrs. Claus like with like a I don't know, like a candy cane shotgun just like steering the reindeer? Oh, amazing. Give me a the, chase film oh, with the Santa sleigh. Hell yeah. The the candy dome? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <Nice. laughs> Beyond candy nice. dome. <laughs> or candy land. <laughs> candy land. <laughs> oh man, that's right for like a adaptation. I like I'm not really up on my Candyland lore. It's been many years since I played <laughs> that game, but I, I seem to remember lots of locations and characters. I'm surprised nobody's done that. Nope. Shoots and ladders, Candyland. Yeah, <laughs> shoots and ladders was like the lame version. I can't. Candyland was way cooler than shoots and ladders. <laughs> if for no other reason than like the design of the board and like the cards and stuff were cool. Nice job with the pick, buddy. I liked it. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad. Thank you for suggesting this. Well, you're welcome. It's a nice tonal shift from Hallmark. I guess <laughs> Netflix Hallmark. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Its own genre. So, excellent all right well i guess we have to transition over and play a quick game before we talk about the next film that's coming up yeah so 
for this round, we're doing a shot in the dark, which is where I ask one of my co-hosts about a film they've never seen before. And I ask them to tell me what they think the plot involves. And then we all have a good laugh about it, either how close they are or how far away, or if we think that plot would have actually been better than what we knew the film was going to be. So with that in mind, May, we knew it was probably going to be this way, but tell me <laughs> what you think the plot of Gremlins is. All right. So this is going to be a big old mess because I often get Gremlins and Labyrinth confused. <laughs> and <laughs> even better. And I also haven't seen Labyrinth all the way through, just some scenes. So um I I have this feeling David Bowie's in it. I don't think that's correct. Uh <laughs> <laughs> go with your gut. Uh and I imagine I'm gonna lean on ET some here too. But all right, so Gremlin. <laughs> is about uh, a family mm-hmm. at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. There's a child in this family. Mm-hmm. And the child and or children of this family uh, discover some kind of object or like maybe an egg that uh, eventually spawns this little Furby looking creature called a gremlin. <laughs> and it's very cute while being like slightly creepy and very like uh maniacal uh but in a fun like quirky like mischievous way and uh there is some greater magical force that wants the gremlin back for some reason and um the kids get wrapped up in trying to save the gremlins um there's lots of hijinks i'm sure a christmas tree gets like lit on fire or something at some point uh (laughs) i really have no idea um if anyone wants to toss me a bone how to get a conclusion let me ask you um so not to spoil anything with the film um but if i were to tell you there's three rules for the gremlins like tell me what you think the three rules are there's three rules uh, that oh, come no. into play in this movie significantly so you have to make those up now oh this is like the these, best mad libs ever these are going to be wildly incorrect uh rule that's okay that's the point <laughs> rule one of the gremlins is you never say their name out loud three times. Okay, good rule. Good rule. Nice. Uh, rule two of the gremlins is you don't feed them because, hey, any critter you feed, it's it, it's coming back. You're stuck with that critter now. Um, <laughs> uh, rule three, if you want to get rid of gremlins um i don't know you make your shoes taste bad (laughs) i'm just thinking they're like dogs (laughs) you put some like lemon rind or something in there spray them with some of that shoe spray mothballs maybe Mm -hmm. 
Nice. And yeah, that's the three uh, rules of gremlins. You heard it here first. <laughs> you know, I won't tell you which rule you got right, but you got one of them pretty close, actually. Okay. <laughs> yep. I mean, there's there's like a little bit more to one of the rules than what you said, but like not bad, like genuinely, yeah. like um, I would say overall, like you did okay with the the plot. Um, like there were there was definitely some accuracies there. I'd say okay. about like. 40% was correct would you say well like 40 ish oh i didn't give you guys a conclusion though um yeah oh yeah how does yeah, what all, happens how at does the it all come to a hand uh, at, at the end uh the gremlins are apparently all gone there's been some kind of family drama subplot that has been uh addressed and there is now greater unity and understanding and peace among the family uh but then just when you think the movie's over, you see a little gremlin popping out of the corner. So you know there's going to be sequels. Mm. Yep. There was a sequel um, to Gremlins called Gremlins 2 The New Batch, which uh, surprisingly, a lot of people, I, I think they're wrong, but like I can see why, um, prefer <laughs> to the original Gremlins. And even like critically, like um, Leonard Malton appeared in Gremlins 2 as himself. Because he hated Gremlins and he loved the idea of Gremlins 2, which is super meta, like super meta, like probably one of the first like truly like meta films. Um, both are worth your time. And I hope you watch them this holiday season because they're a lot of fun. Um, I have to know the rules now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I might put well, I have to edit this like tonight because it's going out tomorrow. But like I should put the actual rules up side by side as you say them. <laughs> oh, actually, though, it'll be a spoiler. I don't want to spoil this for you because you, sh you should watch Gremlins, but not bad. You know what, May Finch? Like not bad at all. I think you did <laughs> pretty you. good. Um, this is a really, really great movie. It's got amazing puppetry work of all the uh, the Mogwai and the, the Gremlins, which are I guess, like, no, Will, like, again, spoiler free, would you consider them the same species? Is it just like a kind of like, you know, caterpillar becomes a butterfly kind of thing? Or would you like, would you consider them like different species of things? I guess they're the same species, right? Yeah, they they transition. So. Transition. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it, it is amazing. And just i don't know it's it's a good it's a good christmas film and the second one if you just want something meta it's set at new year's like so it's like kind of a perfect movie to watch like after gremlins like especially like if you're done with christmas because it um you know uh is set around that time of year but uh well done well done yeah thank you well that brings us to the end of this week's episode um we have one more to go before the end of the year and then we'll be taking a couple of month break while we recharge rest and um really probably attempt to like reformat the podcast a little bit we got some ideas kicking around um but uh you know to be honest like it's always nice to have a little bit of a break from endeavors even when they're a hobby that's as lovely as this one so more more to come on that next week but our final film of the year and our final holiday film is a crisp pick and as cliche as it is. And yes, I know it's overdone and I know you've seen all the memes and you've probably watched it a dozen times. Some of you, but it's a wonderful life uh, is probably my favorite Christmas film. And I think there's good reason why it has endured all this years. 
it makes me cry every time. Like, I mean, unabashedly, um, I think it's just, it's a lovely message and uh, it's one of the all time great performances in a Christmas film is watching Jimmy Stewart go from a broken man to just ecstatic at the end. It's just, it's amazing. So if you've not seen it, I'm excited for you because it is really, really a great film. A little long in the tooth. Like last time I watched it, I was like, eh, kind of wish this was in the tight 90 category, but um, you know, it's two hours. Like, um, but other than that, I think it's just it's a it's a perfect film. And I think as I remarked upon once before, it endured partly because it kind of fell into a weird like public domain territory for a while and it was free for network television to show on TV. And kind of maintained a life all of its own, like even though it wasn't like the most popular film when it came out, people kind of rediscovered it and loved it. And I hope you do too. Have have both of you seen this film before, or is this going to be a first time for either of you? I've not seen it all the way through because I would also catch bits and pieces of it on network TV. So I, I imagine I have seen all of it in pieces spread out across my lifetime. I've not sure. had a dedicated viewing yet. Okay. And Will, how about yeah. you? It's been a while, but yeah. It's probably been, geez, high school probably. But I have seen it before. It'll be nice to watch again because I think I've forgotten a good chunk of it. This goes fantastically with like a, a good robe and some PJs and some hot cocoa. Like it is that kind of movie. So like I encourage nice. you to get cozy and watch it. Um but yeah, I, I look forward to hearing what you both think and audience. Um, we'll we'll see you next week as we talk about It's a Wonderful Life. Thanks for hanging out with us yet another week. You can find us on X at ScreenQuestPod. And we love you. Thank you for your support. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. 